Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, entitled Combating CMV in HCT Recipients, A New Era of Therapy, is provided by Prova Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. William Mencia. Joining me to discuss the importance of CMV preventive strategies in patients receiving hematopoietic cell transplantation is Dr. Roy Shamali. Dr. Shamali, welcome to the program. Thank you. So, Dr. Shamali, we know that data shows us that after allogeneic transplant, the risk of activation or reactivation and infection can be anywhere between 30 and 80%, depending on a series of different factors. What are some of those factors that determine a recipient's risk for CMV infection? So uh, many patients after allogenic uh, stem cell transplantation are going to be at risk for CMV reactivation, which may lead to CMV disease or what we call an organ disease. Number one risk factor, actually, it is the recipient serostatus for CMV. If the recipient been previously exposed to CMV and they have they uh, they are CMV seropositive, this is a major risk factor or determinant determinant of risk for reactivation of CMV after transplant. But there is also many other risk factors that we look for, uh, either at baseline. We may look at the donor serostatus because there's some data showing that. If the donor is seronegative for CMV, the risk for recipient after transplant could be a little bit higher than if the donor is seropositive. There is also other baseline risk factors like the type of transplant, if we're talking about match unrelated donor transplantation or haploidentical, or the source of the cells could be cord blood cell transplant, these are other risk factors uh, or determinant of the risk of CMV reactivation. Now, this is not, it is a dynamic issue where I would say it's not only baseline characteristic which will certify patient at low risk or high risk for CMV reactivation, not only that, but also Over time, after transplant, after day 30, or engraftment, when patient may get graft-versus-host disease, which is one of the major complications after allogenic uh, transplantation, this is another risk factor because this kind of complication should be treated with steroids. It could be pretty high dose or lower dose, depends on the site and the extent of uh, GVHD. This is another risk factor that come into play later on after transplantation. As I also understand it, there are some therapies that have currently been under investigation in late-stage clinical trials that maybe unfortunately have not produced the types of results that we hoped, one being brinsidofavir and um, actually one that may be producing some positive results is maribavir. What can you tell us about this agent? 
Yes. So for many years, uh, we've been, I've been involved with clinical trials, many clinical trials from phase two for phase three uh, for, for new agent uh, to prevent CMV reactivation or infection after allogenic transplant, uh, starting first with Maribavir. Uh, if I remember well, well, the first drug that we tested in phase two trial, it was a positive, uh, uh, you know, result that prevented more CMV reactivation than placebo. Uh, but we moved on to phase three trial, and unfortunately, for many reasons, could be the primary endpoint that we picked at that time versus the dose of Maribavir, it was a negative trial. So it failed as a drug for prevention of CMV uh, reactivation. Uh, after allogenic transplant. But the good news, and I'm happy to see that it, the development of this drug, Maribavir, continued, but mainly for treatment of CMV uh, re or resistant CMV infection to the other commercially available drug. Uh, the phase two trial completed, already published, which showed that up to 67 or 70 percent of patients with refractory or resistant CMV infection responded to Maribavir. But also, it's been developed for preemptive therapy. Someone who have early on reactivation, uh, they, we, you know, Maribavir was used, and it worked nicely. In one of the trials, it was an open-label dose escalation trial uh, in this patient. Uh, in our patient population and also in solid organ transplant. And the data were published just recently in New England Journal of Medicine. This is for Maribavir. So I'm happy to see that it has been, the development is continuing. And now we have two phase three trial, uh, one for refractory and resistant CMV infection, and the second one for preemptive therapy uh, for CMV reactivation. And uh, we need to stay tuned, and we're hoping we may see some of the result, uh, hopefully in the near future, maybe in one year or so. And we're hoping that uh, we can get another drug to the market where it will have a value in treating CMV when it's needed in this patient, in our patient population. So, Dr. Shamali, let's switch gears back to our discussion on latermavir. We know that recently the European Conference on Infections and Leukemia strongly recommended the use of latermavir for the prevention of CMV in adults with allogeneic hematopoietic cell transplantation. What can you tell us about the profound implications this change will make in our patients? I think this is very important uh, the, you know, and profound implication uh, for our allogenic transplant uh, recipients. Um, this, this is the first time that we have a drug like Leturmovir, which showed efficacy and good safety profile to prevent CMV reactivation in adults who are CMV recipient positive after allogenic transplant. And I know that European uh, guidelines uh, that came out of ESOL uh, recommended it as a uh, you know, A1 recommendation to, for prevention of CMV. And this is based on the phase two and phase three trials, which were uh, published uh, recently. So it sounds like 
Dr. Shamali, that these guidelines are being updated to take into account the data that's been coming out of the clinical trials regarding latermavir, as well as maybe some of the real-world experiences that we're seeing. What do you think uh, are the practical implications of this medication based on the results of these clinical trials? Yeah. So uh, this drug, latermavir, first let me start by saying it has a a different mechanism of action than uh, the available drug that we have uh, that treat or prevent CMV uh, infections. Uh, it, the, his, it, its mechanism of action work, actually how the way it works, it inhibits the terminus complex of CMV. So it's viral-directed agent, and it's not, uh, it doesn't have a host target. So this terminus complex, terminates complex, it is specific to CMV, uh, UL89, UL56, and UL51. And what, what it does when it inhibits this complex, you stop the elongation of DNA and then the packaging of DNA into procapside, capside, then virons, and the virus. So this is completely different mechanism of action of other uh, commercially available anti-CMV drug where, again, cyclovir work on UL97, and at the end, the product is to inhibit DNA polymerase uh, as well as foscarnet directly on the DNA polymerase as well. So this is one point I want to make. And this is the application of that, actually, when you think about resistance to any of the other drug, there is no cross-resistance to latermovir. Now, let's talk a little bit about the clinical trial. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we were involved in the phase two and phase three trial uh, where we were uh, looking at uh, prevention of CMV uh, reactivation or what we call clinically significant CMV infection uh, after transplantation, after allogenic transplant in adults who were CMV seropositive. Patient uh, randomization can occur before engraftment, and this is very important, because based on the phase two trial, we didn't see any signals of myelosuppression or delay in engraftment when we use this drug or any impact on engraftment when we use this leturmovir in allogenic transplant. So we allowed the randomization and start the study drug before engraftment. Uh, and I'm happy to say that around uh, almost 63 to up to 67% of patients were received the study drug before engraftment. And why it is important? Because at least now we have strong evidence that had no impact on engraftment, no delay in engraftment, and no myelosuppression that we could see if patients receive leturmovir. Now, for secondary endpoint, endpoint as well as expiratory endpoint, we added all-cause mortality. And this is important because there is nice data that I will share with you about all-cause mortality at week 14 as well, uh, actually at week 24 as well as week 48. Uh, so based on the phase three trial result, what we found that uh, patients who received leturmovir either at 480 milligram once a day if they were on tacrolimus or 240 milligram once a day or half of the dose if they were receiving cyclosporin for uh, prevention of grave versus host disease. They received these, this drug uh, up to day 100 or week 14 uh, from transplant. And what we found that 
it prevented, it was superior to placebo at week 14 as well as week 24, where it prevented more clinically significant CMV infection than the placebo. So it was a positive trial, which was great. But in addition to that, what we found when we looked at exploratory endpoint, which is all-cause mortality at week 24, actually we found that more patients on the latrimovir arm had survival advantage than the placebo arm or less all-cause mortality at week 24. Uh, it was statistically significant. Uh, at week 24, uh, and it continued till week 48, but it lost a statistical significance, but numerically was higher uh, all-cause mortality on placebo than uh, than patient being on the, who received letermovir, and this was at week 48. So I think for us it was kind of icing on the cake, actually, which was actually kind of signaled, telling us that if you prevent clinically significant CMV infection by using letermovir, you may see less all-cause mortality at week 24 and even at week uh, 48. So I would like to talk a little bit about our real-life experience with letermovir. We decided as a group with our transplanter and infectious disease group to use to start using letermovir at day five after transplant because the reason we want to start early to make sure we're not missing the highest risk patient where the reactivation can occur early on after transplant. So we decided to do it around day five on all patients who are CMV seropositive or recipient who are CMV seropositive, but with the caveat that they have to have a insurance clearance before we start using it on the inpatient because we want to make sure when they get discharged, on discharge they will be able to get it uh, if they got approval from their insurers. So uh, this was actually our SOP at that time, and that's what we started doing it around early March 2018. And since that time until today, we've been using letermovir for to prevent CMV reactivation. When we went back and looked at around 129 patients, most of them received letermovir, some did not because of insurance clearance and other issues or other reasons. We found the impact of CMV was the same as in clinical trial, meaning that it prevented more CMV reactivation than patient not being on letermovir. But what more important also, what we found out that we're having much less uh, complication from CMV or we're seeing much less refractory or resistant CMV reactivation even after transplant when we start using the Turmovir. So I would say it is a real paradigm shift when we start using the Turmovir where we're not seeing much of CMV reactivation is much less than before, than prior of letermovir approval, and we're not seeing uh, severe cases of CMV infection or even end organ disease. Something else I want to underscore, which is the safety profile of this drug as well. What our provider need to keep an eye on, and that's what we saw in the phase three trial, a little bit more of tachycardia or atrial fibrillation, uh, patient who received letermovir. Uh, we're not sure what to make out of it. When we looked more into this patient who got this side effect of, or this cardiac side effect, uh, this patient had prior condition, prior cardiac condition. So I'm not sure if this is probably the reason or not, but something to keep in mind 
when we use the Turmovir for prevention of CNV reactivation after allotransplant. I want to thank you, Dr. Shamali, for sharing all of your valuable insights throughout this discussion. It was great speaking with you today. Thank you. Thank you for all these questions as well. And thank you for the opportunity to share with you our experience with how to mitigate CMV complications after transplantation. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to ReachMD.com slash Prova. Thank you for listening.